Good morning, everyone. Jim Laird here from Largo, Florida. It is an amazingly beautiful day here. We have had some a uh, little bit cooler weather. My dog Rommel's over there chilling, taking a nap outside. He's uh, gets a little, it's a little intense the heat wise here, and he'll he won't be happy to be outside. But he uh, he's loving this. It's probably in the mid seventies right now here with a little bit of a breeze, so it's really nice. Low humidity, nice change of pace. Sitting here in my tan through shirt, tan through polo, just kind of enjoying the morning. It's been beautiful. Um, if you look at uh, in the description, if you look on the YouTube channel or on Dr. Silva's channel or my 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 channel, um, doing an interview with Stan Efforting on um, Thursday in the afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Stan is on the West Coast, so 9 a.m. is definitely, you know, Stan's a big fan of sleep. And so we definitely don't want to get him out of bed at, at uh, early. So we are going to be doing that interview on Thursday. And I've known Stan for a long time and, and we use his vertical diet template. And, you know, that's where I got the 10 minute walks from uh, three 10 minute walks uh, after meals that came from Stan. And I've known Stan a long time. Uh, really neat guy because he's kind of a, uh, really made a name for it. He's, you know, obviously this, he's the strongest bodybuilder, uh, ever, um, as far as like competition powerlifting. Um, but he's kind of made a name for himself by, you know, this vertical diet, which really, uh, we love because one, it's simple Two, it's foods. People are actually going to eat. It's easy to tweak and adjust. And it gives you all your macronutrients and micronutrients in a really pretty decent balance so it's a great place for most people to start because most people when they come to us or their diet is uh they always tell us it's good but um you know really low protein lots of processed foods you know if we just get them you know and, and you know obviously there's those people in this space that are going to argue that the sun is all you need well the sun is really important and i think it's very neglected but what we eat is also important as well so you need to work on both but um you know, the sun has definitely been ignored, but uh, what you eat is a huge component of that as well. And it's going to just lead to longer, better outcomes. And Stan is actually going to be coming down. Uh, we've, we've officially kind of, uh, we've kept this on the download until now. So if you've been following us, we announced that we we're doing a seminar in Nicaragua months ago, and it was probably a little too early to promote it. Uh, we've had a lot of great interest uh, particularly people reaching out, wanting to check out the property that it's being um, done on. So uh, we mainly did that to show the property that I'm building the gym with, that there was a lot of interest, which they were very impressed by how many people reached out to them. So the gym is is full speed ahead um, as far as getting that. They wanted to see if there was actually interest in something like that, and people are really excited about it, and people in the community are really excited about it. So Stan's going to be coming down in January with us. So if you've been following us for a while and you've been thinking about it, you know, when we started promoting it, it was like, a, like a, it was, boy, we promoted it in the spring. Uh, so it was months and months and months away, but we're closing in now. I mean, it's August, September, October, November, January. It'll be here right away. Um, you can put a deposit down and pay in chunks, uh, but it's an all-inclusive, uh, all-inclusive retreat. It's basically rest, hang out, learn some stuff from Dr. Stillman, Stan and I. You know, hopefully the, we'll have the gym in a, in a good place. Maybe we can train some of you guys that want to train with me or train with Stan. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. 
it'll, it, you know, we like bringing people in that have a little bit different perspective, you know, Stan, I've worked with high level athletes, but that Stan works with high level athletes. That's one of the things he does. But one of the neat things about the vertical diet, if you go onto his page and look the testimonials on people that, um, help their digestion, help their autoimmune issues. That's one of the reasons we also like his template as well, because it's very autoimmune friendly. It's very digestive friendly. And obviously it's a performance-based diet. So it's foods that most people handle well, because Stan and I will get into this on Thursday. Most people don't understand how much food you actually have to eat when you're put trying to put on muscle mass. Like when you're trying to get bigger and put on muscle mass, you have to eat a lot of food and you can't eat foods that are going to cause a lot of digestive distress. So a lot of the things in the vertical diet are really simple. So the link to that retreats down below, you can check it out. Um, we did a webinar on that and the, the webinar, a lot of people kind of got confused. The whole point of the retreat is to hang out and have a good time. If you want to look at the property, if you want to check it out, there'll be people there who will be able to help you with that. But the main point is for just to hang out, kind of get away from the crazy life and then go to a community that the main point of the webinar was basically to educate people that Nicaragua is not this like, horrendous uh dumpster fire that most people in the united states have been led to believe so you can check that out you know set a reminder and that way you can tune in with stan and i and 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 listen to us talk about how he came up with a vertical diet and i think you'll you'll learn a lot from it but so the ultimate guide to simplifying fitness you know these titles are are interesting it's uh the social media game is really fun uh because it you know they suggest like titles that are actually going to get views and things like that. So we try and we try and look at that. Like, you know, one of the things that uh, the powers that be uh, told me to post about was, uh, you know, vegan versus carnivore, you know, keto versus, you know, all these things. Uh, and of course, when you ever you post, I've been dealing with this on Instagram right now, whenever you post uh, something that is um, uh, polarizing, uh, people on both sides come out, not so much on the carnivore side there. They seem to be a little more understanding than the, the vegan side seems to be. Uh, uh, they just don't, they don't acknowledge factual information. So um, I usually just smile and say, thank you for your, your opinion. But uh, people get caught in their dogma and they just, the blinders go on and they can't see. Um, you know, I always try and look at everything that I'm doing and, and have it with a sober rational lens. And I'm trying to question what I do. And that's why I watch people that I disagree with a lot to kind of, you know, challenge my views. And, and, and then I look at what I've observed and the one thing I've observed with fitness and, and, and I'm unique in this, this point, because I spent so many hours, you know, I put a lot of time in the gym. I, I didn't really spend as much time on social media and all that sort of thing that a lot of other people did which is great uh, as far as my experience and my experience with coaching and working with different people, but it, it's not so good when you transition over into being, you know, making your living on the internet, right? Because if I would have done a little more social media in the past, uh, it'd be a lot easier. But that being said, you know, I actually know how to coach people in person. I actually know how to work with people because I've worked with thousands of people. So I'd rather be in the situation that I'm in than the other way around, be a huge influencer that's never worked with anyone because there's a lot of those out there now. Um, but you, you you see all these podcasts and these shows and people are going into such immense detail that people get overwhelmed, they get confused. And the thing that people don't understand is that most people are really busy. They don't have time to like spend hours a week in the gym. And I'm going to tell you basically what I've observed 
I had, you know, I had a good number of people I trained for 20 years, you know, started in their forties. You know, when I left Lexington, they're in their sixties. Uh, I had people for decades, a, a good, like we're talking at 50, 60 people that I'd trained for over a decade, you know, a whole bunch of people I trained for five, six, seven years. I have kids that I took from 12 all the way into their twenties, you know, so I've seen lots of sample size. And I always, when I look at things, I always compare it to what I've seen and experienced and with myself as well. And here's basically the formula for, for looking good and feeling good. Now, performance is a little different, but really the foundation is the same. And then you really just play with the variables at the top. But most people don't ever build the foundation. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't really matter until you have that foundation. And that's something I got into with with Meredith Oak on an interview we did the other day. You can find that on our blog if you want to check that out on stillmanwellness.com. Uh, <clears throat> The people that were the most successful were consistent. They moved every day. They walked. Um, they got down on the floor and did something. Maybe not every day, but at least, you know, they're training with me two or three times a week. Every person I train, I don't care if you're 90. I don't care if you're, um, you know, eight years old. You're going to get down on the floor and you're going to do some sort of floor warm up. This is something I got from wrestling at a young age. Uh, this is something I got from basic phys ed. One of the things that, at least when I was growing up in Canada, had an incredible phys ed program. The floor is a great teacher. And so I spend, you know, when Dr. Stillman and I go work, work out, we get down on the floor and we move around on the floor for five or 10 minutes. And then we go train. And generally on the floor, we're going to be doing things that are going to help set us up to have success in the movements that we're doing in the gym that day. And I actually had a few people reach out to me uh, after I left and they're like, yeah, I'm having some, this issue or that this is bothering me. This never really bothered me before. And I'm like, are you getting down on the floor? Uh, no, I kind of stopped doing the floor warm ups. They're kind of boring. Okay. Well, they started doing the floor warmups again and they start feeling better. And so I got that from the Parisi school of strength and speed, uh, Bill Parisi. It was Martin Rooney at the time. I think, I think, uh, most people don't talk about this, but Joe DeFranco came out of that camp as well. Uh, he, you know, his agile eight and some of the stuff that he would do in the warm up came out of that Parisi school of strength and speed. They have like a, like a 20 minute floor warm up that is, is awesome. I mean, it, it's just very athletic. Um, there, there's a lot of stuff on the floor and then you get up and do pogo jumps and different things. And I would notice, like I worked with a basketball team in Kentucky and, um, this is a, you know, one of the higher big, big big schools in Kentucky that's, you know, in the top five every year in basketball. And, you know, these kids, they play a lot of basketball, but they weren't fit. You know, you get them on the floor, you get them doing some different things and they're gassed. Right. So we started doing this floor warm up every single day and they hated it. And that's all we had available in the beginning. We did this floor warm up. It was a 10 or 15 minute floor warm up, you know, knee circles, glute bridges, um, bird dogs, you know, all sorts of different things, different jumping jacks different styles of jumping jacks, different hopping, hop on one foot in multiple directions, all these sort of things, skipping drills. And it is amazing to watch these guys with just the floor warm up. All of a sudden, these guys on the, on, on the court are moving better just because we got down on the floor and moved in different ways than they were used to and gave them some access to some different strategies or patterns that they maybe had lost, right? All of a sudden, guys that couldn't dunk could dunk, right? No strength training just simple floor warm up right and that's the beauty of of simplicity 
and the beauty of adding something simple in you're like wow look at these guys are moving so much better they can drop their hips better when they're shuffling and playing defense and things like that so i noticed that floor warm-up was super important getting down on the floor i get down on the floor every day i encourage like you know people that are older that i work with you know it's interesting i observe when i have older folks you know people maybe in their 50s 60s and then all of a sudden their their children start having kids and they and they have grandkids and they'll come in and they'll be like i feel better and you'll watch them and they'll start moving better and what they're doing is they're basically getting on the floor and playing with the kids right and so they're moving in different ways it's really kind of neat to kind of observe that um and i think that's one of the reasons like having families and grandkids and things like that are so great because it keeps older people younger right they start walking with the kids they start playing with the kids hopefully you know and hopefully you don't just throw a screen in front of them and just let the kids zone out on the screen hopefully you're doing things with the kid you're playing catch with the kid in the backyard you're you know because if you haven't moved a lot and all of a sudden you're picking a ball up off the ground and you're you're throwing it and you're doing different things and you're moving around in different ways that makes a huge difference in the long run right that low level stress of being outside of moving in different ways is super important for your overall health so these people would move around in different ways at a low level multiple times a week they would walk or do something pickleball tennis frisbee golf something active every day you've got to do low level activity it doesn't have to be intense it doesn't have to be insane and they would train at least twice a week with a strength training program that would actually challenge them and the thing about it is is the strength training program is the goal of it is not to turn into a powerlifter or turn into a bodybuilder and there were people that i trained that did that right but the goal was to basically get them stronger but still keep their movement options which comes from stacking the belly button and the rib cage together so that the shoulder blades can move and the pelvis can move the way it's supposed to and you don't drive one strategy particularly that extended arch strategy when you drive that strategy um you have a lot of a lot of issues and you see this with the people i come in that come into town to see me we got high respiratory rates and a lot of them are doing a lot of cardio anyways you know, like, I don't know why my respiratory rate's so high. I don't know why my heart rate's so high. And we get them down on the floor. We have them do some different things. I work with them. I get their rib cage moving so they can actually move. You know, it can expand when they inhale, front to back and side instead of just up. They get the rib cage expanding, or they're so compressed that they can't take a good inhale. So we basically get their rib cage moving in a better way. And one of the ways to do that is to get down on the floor move around, do bear crawls, do rocking on your back, doing bird dogs that are dynamic and relaxed, not like, you know, people do bird dogs like they're flexing and, and, and that, not that. I'm talking about moving and flowing. And all of a sudden they're like, wow, I can actually breathe, you know? And that that's something that is often overlooked is like the actual physical structure. You know, if your rib cage and your pelvis are stuck in a strategy that doesn't allow you to breathe with your diaphragm going up and down, um, that's going to lead to, to overbreathing if you can't get out of that strategy. So we want to make sure we don't drive that strategy with the training. And a lot of the bodybuilding, powerlifting type modalities are going to drive that overbreathing state. Adding extra muscle mass, excessive extra muscle mass, like with me, is that's more compression. That's like wearing a straight jacket. So it's going to affect my ability to breathe. And I've accepted the fact that one, I'm more muscular, even if I just did yoga for the rest of my life i'd still be more jacked than the average person my my whole family is uh my dad is just an absolute block his calves are massive 
he's never worked out a day in his life and he's just got a lot of muscle mass he's just and my brother's the same way they're just we're just big thick people right and so uh, i've accepted that um i haven't you know I've, I've decided that i you know chasing like being 275 280 290 you know is not not <laughs> good for my longevity so i'm lifting still but i do it in a way that helps improve the way i move it definitely doesn't make it worse um but freeze my rib cage up and my pelvis and everything so that I can breathe better. And I have, you know, I'm 200 and I weigh about 240 right now. And, uh, I have a, a resting heart rate of like 50, uh, overnight. I go into the forties, uh, during the day, somewhere between 40, 50 and 60 average, but at night I'm definitely 50 and below the respiratory rates between 11 and 12. But for a guy, my size and a guy that talks as much as I do, that's pretty good. And my HRV is decent as well. So I'm in a good place for me. So the lifting part of it, we want to make sure it's done in a position that actually gives you more movement options and doesn't take too many away. And we want to challenge ourselves, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, safety squat bar squats or kettlebell squats or you know, trap bar deadlift, whatever the best tool is for you. We want to challenge ourselves about 20% of the time. So when you come into lift, you want to lift in a way that challenges your body so it makes your body want to adapt in that way right usually generally with normal everyday folks we do full body workouts we'll pair deadlifts with a press we'll pick the exercise that's best to your for your structure you know then we'll pair like uh you know some maybe some maybe some uh, pull downs with some uh bear crawls we'll pair some some single leg work with some carries you know we'll we'll, we'll basically mix it up and, and give you a full body workout so you're in and out we usually end the, the session if people are in good shape with some sort of finisher like an aerodyne or like uh you know med ball slams or something along those lines maybe some some prowler pushes things like that um and and you know just to challenge get the heart rate up a little bit nothing insane we're gonna push you know a little bit of hit type stuff i really like the aerodyne bike maybe once or twice a week you get on there you go as hard as you can for 10 seconds you rest for 20 30 you do that for for eight rounds you know, on and off, it works out to about four minutes. You do that a couple times a week and you do, you do some athletic things, um, you know, like throwing medicine balls, pushing sleds is great. Re like really short sprints for people, even older folks, like having them just like, you know, sprint five yards, even, um, some different things where they're moving in different ways. Throwing medicine balls is great because one of the things we lose as we age is explosive power. So you want to work on that explosive power. So if, you know, somebody's walking the crosswalk and some, some tool, you know, doesn't see the red light and decides to blow through, you have the ability to like get out of the way. So, you know, a lot of people think they have to put tons and tons of hours into training, but if you're walking every day, if you're moving every day, if you're getting down on the floor and moving and you're challenging yourself two to three days a week with some strength training and a little bit of, you know, challenging conditioning depending on your fitness level and you challenge yourself but you always leave a little in the tank um in the long haul you are going to be golden right and i think a lot of these people online just make it so complicated one like my, my friend jim winler for example um i got to live with jim for a year i slept on his floor in a studio apartment uh that was a lot of fun i should write a book about that honestly uh, Jim is one of the most interesting people I've ever been around. He is, he's so intense, but he's also so intellectual. Um, 
had a lot of great conversations with Jim and he was contemplating writing five, three, one, which is probably one of the best beginner overall beginner programs. He has five freedom for powerlifting. Then he has five through, but his philosophy is basically list some things, challenge yourself, but don't beat yourself into the ground. Make sure you do lots of, you know, conditioning, make sure you do some sort of sprinting. Uh, he talks about moving around and doing different things on the floor and, and a very balanced approach. Right. And it's very simple. Like the template is very simple. Um, and, and he, he, we were talking about this. He's like, it's so simple. There's no way people are going to buy this, but they did because people have a tendency to overcomplicate things. They have a tendency to get paralysis by analysis and the internet is great. But, you know, back in the late nineties, when I started lifting, you know, in the, in the mid, mid to like early, I really got serious. Let me do some math in my head. The late eighties, you know, is when I started lifting and there wasn't a lot of information out there. Right. Which of course I learned a lot from, from bodybuilders and guys at the gym and which was great. Um, but I also had my wrestling background and things. So I would move in different ways. And that really helped me from getting sucked into the, you know, in the late nineties, early two thousands, it was like, everybody just needs to get stronger. That's, that's the whole, the whole thing. The whole point is strength is the key to everything, which for some people is true. But if you have a gorilla, like someone like me, I would classify as a gorilla. Do you really need to get a gorilla stronger? Now, if it's powerlifting, if the goal is powerlifting, yes, the gorilla needs to get stronger. But the gorilla needs to do it in a way that isn't going to wreck the gorilla. You know, the gorilla probably needs more um, explosive power, bouncy kind of stuff as opposed to just raw power, right? Whereas the kangaroo doesn't need to be more bouncy. The kangaroo needs a little bit more strength, right? So your training needs and your training is going to depend a lot on who you are naturally. Like if I have a really big dude, like I had a really, there's a guy that was what, six, three, he was in his seventies and he was so, he had lifted a lot of heavy stuff and in his, in his day and he still wanted to lift and he was having all sorts of knees and back problems. And he walked like the tin man. And it was like, if I'd have taken him and like thrown him into a full blown powerlifting program, I'd have wrecked him. So we did a little bit of lifting to keep him happy, but then we did stuff to get him moving, right? And we did things that actually got him moving instead of reinforcing what he was already really good at. And he thanked me. He was like, man, I really appreciate it. it uh, you know, the stuff that you make me do, I hate it, but I know I need it. I can actually get down on the floor and play with my grandkids now. I could never do that before. I walk much better. I sleep much better. I feel better in general. I'm still strong but I know I need to work on moving. So I'm not this like giant immobile object. Right. So, um, giving people what they need and giving them what they want at the same time is kind of this really interesting dynamic that, um, is really cool about being a coach because even though the principles are the same for everyone, the way you apply it and, and the nuance that you use, um, with each person is, is totally different. So it's never, every day is, is a lot of the same, but it's never the same. So it's kind of a weird dynamic, but I appreciate you, uh, tuning in and watching, you know, please give it a like, give a subscribe, drop a comment. Uh, let me know if you have any questions, any feedback, if there's anything you'd like me to address that, that I'd like, you'd like me to cover, I'd be happy to do that for you. Thanks for the like, appreciate that. Uh, helps with, the. do you recommend stretching?
stretching is positive. It can be positive. It doesn't do what people think it does. Um, if you look at the research, Bill Hartman goes into this. Um, there's actually a post. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram. There's actually a, a post by a, a guy named Connor. If you look at my story or no, no, it was about Connor. Yeah, it was by Connor. I said, the brain is undefeated. And he was like, you know, basically the brain, if I, if I take you, James, and I, I put you in a sleeper hold and knock you out and you lay on the floor, you go completely limp. I can bend you in any direction. Right. So what people don't understand is a lot of the tone and the tightness that you have is because of your brain and because of the position that your body's in and the, what the environment is doing. A lot of that tightness is your body protecting you, itself from yourself, right? It's keeping you from going into motions that might not be great for outcomes for you. So whenever I work with somebody who's really tight, one, I want to optimize ribcage and pelvic position. And I want to give them movement options, right? Why, what, why is the tightness there? A lot of it is because of the shape of the, the axial skeleton and the strategy that they're stuck in. Now, stretching is fine because you get down on the floor and you're relaxing and you're moving in different ways. But they've stretched and stretched and stretched people and seen very little actual change. The actual change is from your body becoming more tolerant to the actual pain of the stretching. So you aren't actually really changing the muscle, so to speak. Um, but it does have a good effect on the nervous system. I really like, uh, before warm-up, if you go on my, if you type in feel-good circuit on my YouTube channel, and I'll stick a couple links to it. I think I stuck some links in yesterday's episode. But I have these feel-good circuits where you get on the floor and you roll around and you do different things. And you'll find that you're, you know, I have people all the time that come see me and they have never been able to touch their toes in their life. And I have them do, and Dr. Stillman's seen this. And, you know, I do a few things with them to, to basically get their rib cage and their pelvis, give them some different uh, options in their movement. All of a sudden, boom, they touch their toes for the first time in their life. And it's like, what did you do? I'm, I changed the position of your pelvis, gave you access to things that you, you, you haven't had access to in a while. It, it, it's not that complicated. Um, you know, so stretching can be good it's, it's a, it can be a good cool down but there's so many better ways to do that that are actually going to give you better better results than especially with with women women will tend to stretch a lot and a lot of them are what we call hypermobile and they'll actually overstretch things and uh, become too lax especially in their in their joints and that can cause cause some issues as well but generally speaking for people that are really tight it has more to do with the strategy that you're stuck in and losing access to certain areas of your body because of compression strategies. Uh, I'm trying to not make it too complicated so you, you basically understand. If you can't get air and pressure into certain parts of your body, you're going to lose access to those parts and be able to move, not be able to move well in those parts. That's why getting down on the floor and rolling around is great because it changes pressure and it allows you to access different areas that you probably couldn't have accessed before. Um, so that, that would be my answer to that. I would do some, I would like, I think foam rolling, although you shouldn't spend a million hours foam rolling. I think benefit of foam rolling is the fact that you're, you know, you're getting down, you're rolling your quads, you're, you're shifting in a weird way. You're rolling around on the floor and that helps change pressure in your skeleton. It moves your guts around. And I think that has the benefit of, you know, if you do, you know, like I'd like to do a few minutes on the aerodyne because I like the aerodyne because you're basically shifting back and forth with your upper body which is something or like versa climber 
things like that. It's something that powerlifters, bodybuilders don't do. Everything's like locked, right? When you're powerlifting, everything's locked. Your rib cage gets locked up. So the Versa Climber is a great way to get some shifting through your rib cage and, and, and your, you know, yeah, get, get you moving. And, and a lot of guys that are bros like myself lose the ability to do that. And that's why they walk like a, like a tin man or a fire hydrant. Right. And so I like aerodyne to get warmed up, uh, or ski erg is great for me too, because the act of doing that is giving me flexion, which I lack a lot of flexion because I've spent so many years being extended An extension is probably my default strength strategy. So I have to do things that give me flexion. You lose the ability. There was another post on my story. Uh, I think it was by Katie St. Clair is her name, but you know, um, it was about being able to get into flexion and doing a full exhale is going to have a bigger impact on your, you know, tightness of your psoas than, than anything else. And that's totally true. Most people's psoases are so tight because they're stuck here and they can't exhale. They can't get into flexion. And, and that's why they're so tight up front. They need to be able to get a full exhale. They need to get a full flexion. And all of a sudden that stuff kind of relaxes and opens up. And that's why part of a warm up when I have people, I'll have them do what's called a rope squat where they hang on to the rope. And I actually did this with a, a lady that's a viewer um, on here all the time. Her daughter came to me and she basically lived in JLo all the time. And one of the things we did in their warm up that I did with her was basically have her hold on to a rope and she, with a narrow stance, and she would go down and do a very deep squat where she would actually flex her spine. Now, obviously, under load, we don't want the spine moving around, but I was taking her into flexion so that she could she was very extended so i took her into flexion so she could live somewhere in the middle right so um warm-up wise i would do more dynamic active warm-ups like the like the uh, feel-good circuits i'd do a little bit of aerodyne and maybe five minutes of foam rolling just see so her moving around in different ways and i would actually do some of the movements like if you're squatting with a bar i would squat with the kettlebells part of your warm-up uh, bear crawls are a really good way to warm up for the squat because it gets your pelvis and your rib cage in a good position, gets your scapula moving, uh, especially backwards for people that extended like me, it posteriorly tucks the pelvis um, so that you can find that middle area instead of being on either extreme. Um, so that's generally what I would do for a warm up, something to get the heart rate up a little bit, about five to 10 minutes of rolling around on the floor, maybe a few, a few foam roller. Um, uh, human garage doing twisted myofascial routines. I have not, I would have to look at that, but I know like Donnie Thompson, you know, he does, uh, his, uh, I can't remember what he calls it, but, um, he uses like big steel things to like release things. And a lot of that is just a nervous system reset. You know, a lot of these things at work have more to do with the nervous system and pushing the guts around, but I will look into that Mark and, uh, take a look. But, um, you know, twisting is, is, is really important part of human movement. The problem is, is when people, you have people like Dr. Stillman who are too good at twisting, <laughs> like, like Dr. Stillman is built to rotate. He is a very narrow infasternal angle. He would be, uh, he would be, uh, like the, an amazing golfer. Like he's just built that way. Dr. Stillman is never going to be a world's strongest man. He's never going to be a power lifter. Just like I'm never going to be a great rotator because I'm built for straight ahead power. I'm like a top field dragster. Uh, that's the way I'm built. So I want to make sure I don't like make my top field dragster even more top field dragster. Now I want to turn myself into more like a, you know, a little bit more sports car ish than, than being the top field dragster. When I was a power lifter, the top field dragster was great. 
but now the top field dragster is not so good when my goal is to like live better, feel good and look good, uh, and not be a miserable tight, you know, with your low back hurting all the time and shoulders and elbows hurting all the time. Um, so, but I will check that out and, and look at it, but you know, a lot of these modalities work, um, like the things that I were doing, like getting in a push-up position, walking yourself up to your feet. We used to do that all the time with people that struggle with deadlifts and hinging. And, and later on, I, I always, you know, a lot of these things that we discovered that would work or bear crawls in between squats, things like that. I didn't really know why they worked. I just knew they made it better. And, and once you learn, um, you know, the walk up, for example, when you walk yourself up, it'll, you know, your when you hinge, your pelvis actually goes like this and people lose the ability to open their, their pelvis goes like this and the guts spill back. That's what allows people to hinge. And a lot of people lose the ability to do that. You know, people like Dr. Stillman who have really narrow uh, infrasternal angle, they lose the ability to push those guts back. And so the walk-up pretty much forces that. So there's a lot of things that people do kind of just by experiment uh, and they don't end up learning or knowing why it works, but it works. And then later on, like with me, I ran into Bill Hartman and I started learning from him and how the body compensates and and how the body uses different strategies to do things. I, I started going, oh, that's why what I've been doing work because this, because of this, or, you know, that's why this body type couldn't do this exercise. You know, people get married to exercises and there's certain body types that don't do well with certain things. And so making sure that you don't uh, push somebody into an exercise that, that is not great for their structure uh, is probably not uh, like somebody who's really, really extended like me doesn't need to be doing standing barbell presses. Can I still overhead press? Sure. I can do landmines where my rib cage and my belly button's in a better position. I can, you know, split stance and I can do a, more of a neutral grip press. So I'm not arching so hard. You know, I shared a video on my Instagram of how I do like shoulder presses on a machine. I will face the machine and, and, and basically stack my rib cage and pelvis. That's going to allow my shoulder blade to upperly rotate on my rib cage as opposed to being arched where your shoulder blade can't upwardly rotate and then you're basically getting over your head by arching your back really hard so i know that's a long rant you got to slow down and take a couple breaths i really have to do that after these interviews i get so excited and so fired up that uh you know i speak for like 10 minutes without breathing so it's pretty pretty wild but mark thank you for the feedback and, and james i hope that that answer helped you did anyone else have any other questions uh, and then the cool down for the workout is really important. You you have people train really hard. You just don't want to send them home. I really like rounding over a stability ball um, and having that get open that up, open that upper back up. If they have used some extension in their training, like Olympic lifters, for example, they have to extend in order to do the sport. But we want to do enough stuff after they're done so they can shut that strategy off so they can recover. Right. If you're constantly in that extended state you're not going to recover very well. So, you know, having people, you know, even sitting in a deep squat, hanging from a chin-up bar or in a Smith machine is going to pull that pelvis under you. It's going to help lengthen those lats. It's going to get you in a good position to help you recover. Crocodile breathing is another one I love at the end of training. I used to have all my kids do this. Just put a little aerodyne pad or a pillow below your belly. Put your hands here and just chill in through the nose, out through the mouth. I'd try to tell them to go to sleep. These kids would look at me like I was nuts. Half of them couldn't sit still. If I'd have them sit, I'd do that breathing for 
two minutes. And then the kids after a few weeks would be like, man, I feel so much better. I've been doing that before bed. It really, really helps. Um, so that's basically what, what I would do is more of a dynamic warm up. You can look up Parisi school strength to speed and look at their warm up. If you want to incorporate some of that, you can look at the mini, the feel good circuits. I think I called them feel good circuits on my YouTube page. You can look that up. Um, there's also, um, you know, any kind of dynamic stuff where you're, you're actually warming up by moving is, is really helpful. Um, and then cool down. You want to make sure that you're doing something, even if you just grab a post or a doorknob on each side and sit in a deep squat and just round over, stretch those lats, fill that upper back with air in through the nose, out through the mouth. You want to do about a minute or two of easy breathing. You can lay on the floor, even in a 90, 90, you're, you're flat on your back, your feet are on the wall. Um, you know, like this, and then you just basically, you know, breathe in and exhale, and then just try and go to sleep, just bring it down and tone down. A lot of people make that mistake. They go, I was actually talking to a, a girl last night at the gym I train at who, um, who's a figure competitor. She's very extended. Uh, actually her training is really smart. I mean, I've never seen whoever's, whoever's coaching her is really good because he understands the rib cage pelvis relationship all the exercises that he was giving her were basically getting her pelvis in the ribcage in the best position to actually use use her glutes instead of her spine which i don't see that very often most people when you see them doing glute bridges or you see them doing back extensions or they do lunges they're all arched this guy whoever's doing her programming is really good because he was giving her things that were forcing her to actually get into her glutes and keep her ribs down but i started chatting with her and i was like how's your sleep She's like, well, I train late and, and, um, you know, I, I have a hard time winding down. Unfortunately, I had to take a call. I didn't get to talk to her. Uh, she was like, can you show me a few things that will help me chill out? And I was going to show her a couple of resets, but I'll probably see her again. She's there like, you know, five, six days a week training. So, but you, you know, I can just look at somebody and see the way they're breathing and see their rib cage position and be like, yeah, that person's going to have problems sleeping or that person is going to be have a hard time relaxing. So you want to do things at the end of your training that actually shut you off. So your body actually has the ability to recover. You don't want to go out into the world into this overstressed, overbreathing state or under breathing. If you can't breathe at all, that's going to make you breathe. Well, if you can't get air in because your rib cage is so compressed, there's, there's two extremes, but most people in the figure world or powerlifting world, bodybuilding world are going to be extended. They're going to have that arch position. And they're not going to be able to shut it off. That's most people. Then you got people like Dr. Stillman who basically like they have a gorilla standing on their chest. So there's different things we got to do with him to make him feel good and keep him, keep him moving well. So, but that's it. Warm up dynamically, do your training and then do some sort of cool down where you're working on, you know, relaxing and getting that system turned off so you can go home and go to sleep. And cause that's when and we're going to stand and are going to talk about that on Thursday. I'm sure. Um, one of the things that, you know, people will reach to performance enhancing drugs. They'll reach to, you know, the stimulants, they'll reach to all these things. Um, but they won't, they don't understand like how much, like if you're actually trying to improve performance and gain muscle mass, how much food and how much sleep you actually need. And most people skip to fancy things like peptides or performance enhancing drugs or whatever else. And they don't have that foundation of food and sleep and rest. You know, that that's really what makes you improve. That's really what makes you grow. And that's the foundation. And then if you want to throw some of these other fun things in there from time to time, that's totally up to you. But uh, Monique, thank you so much for the feedback. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm glad you love listening to me. 
Um, that's very nice of you to say. Some people have the opposite effect. I just tend not to talk to those people. Sometimes I have to be quiet and listen. I've tried to learn over the years not to talk so much because I, I have a tendency to like anyone that's been friends with me for a long time knows I have the tendency to kind of overpower things and sometimes uh, say too much or take over conversations. And as I've gotten older, I've learned a lot more about listening. Uh, and, uh, and in my coaching too, I've, I've learned a lot more about listening and, and letting people express their feelings and not just like grabbing them and start shaking them. So that's a, it's an evolution, right? Over time. So everyone have a great day. Check out the retreat in Nicaragua. I'd love to meet you down there. I'd love for you to check the place out. It's a beautiful resort where I'm going to be building a gym. Uh, the whole resort is based on sustainability, uh, locally grown food, gardens, you know, tomahawk ribeye about this big for $15. It's wonderful. We can have a tomahawk ribeye for breakfast every day, you know, houses within walking beat, uh, distance to the ocean. You can still get, you know, oceanfront property for a ridiculously low price. Um, so Love for you guys to check that out. Come down there and hang out with Stan Leland and I for, for a week in, in, in the beginning of January. That would be a lot of fun. So check that out. And hey, if you've got any topics you'd like me or Dr. Stillman to cover, um, please put it in the comments. Um, you can always drop me an email at jimlaird at stillmanmd.com. I'd be happy to hear from you. And I'd be happy to uh, answer your questions. And of course, you can always, if you want more detailed uh, answers, if you want me to, you know, customize some things for you particularly, um, we have our Fundamentals of Wellness with coaching um, where I do, uh, right now we do one group coaching call with Dr. Stillman uh, a month and one with me uh, just on strength and conditioning. And as more people get into the course, we're going to add more coaching calls. So you'll be able to get on there with me. You can send me your videos. You can tell me what you're doing in your training and I can film stuff for you and help you adjust and pick your exercises and help you kind of uh, adjust what you're doing so you can get the most results with the least amount of work. And of course, you just go to Stillman Wellness for that. It's right on the front page. If you use the code GYM, all caps, it gets you 10% off. So, And for our courses, if you want to just buy the course and check it out first, you can use code 50 on just the course. If you go to stillmanwellness.com in the upper right-hand corner, it'll say courses. You click on courses, it'll say fundamentals of wellness course. And the course alone, uh, if you just want to buy it to check out the course, the strength training course is in there, which I'm constantly updating new things. Um, I'm going to basically allow the Q&A to drive the content in the course. You'll get 50% off that. And then if you really like it, you can always upgrade to the coaching at a discount once you're in the fundamentals of wellness course, it's like a tongue twister. So everyone have a wonderful day. I am 100% certain Dr. Stillman will be back here tomorrow with us. Oh, you want to learn about nitric oxide? I'll give you the, I'll give you the cliff notes version. Nitric oxide comes from sun exposure. Uh, it comes from some of the things you eat, like things like beet juice, things like that. Also amino acids. It also comes from slowing your breathing down and breathing through your nose. That's why nasal breathing is so important. If you're a mouth breather, breathe you breather, you're not going to produce nitric oxide as much. Um, so that's why most people, that's why so many men today are struggling with certain fun things is they're over breathing. So they're not producing nitric oxide. They're not getting things in their diet that um, 
are helping them produce nitric oxide and uh, they're not getting in the sun, which also produces nitric oxide and their nuclear bombing their, their mouth flora with mouthwash, which if you drink something like beet juice, if you've drank mouthwash, your body doesn't have the ability to convert into nitric oxide because you need some of the enzymes in your mouth. So if you're excessively using mouthwash, I would highly suggest things like like pulling, like I take coconut oil and I, I swish it around in my mouth or switching to more of a natural mouthwash that doesn't nuke your, we have a m- microbiome in our mouth and most people don't understand that. So we basically have nuked all these, uh, you know, and on the skin too, people, people don't understand you have a microbiome on your skin as well. And if you overwash, if you uh, nuke your skin with all sorts of the uh, antibacterial antimicrobial things it's not only going to kill the bad stuff it's going to kill the good stuff and guess what the good stuff keeps the bad stuff in line you know so there's balance right so that's something that most people don't they kind of overlook they they're nuking their 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 mouth with mouthwash all the time they don't understand they're destroying a lot of positive organisms that are in your mouth so that's why it's so important to eat real food stay away from processed food um and, and keep that, that microbiome in your mouth in a good place. And, and also with your skin, um, you know, you want to be careful what you're putting on it and you want to make sure you're getting plenty of sun exposure, but that's the big three sun exposure, nasal breathing, uh, and then making sure you're getting things like, you know, beet juice or beets in your diet, lots of amino acids. That's going to give your body, you know, high quality proteins. That's going to give your body the things you need to increase nitric oxide, which, you know, has all sorts of wonderful benefits and that way you can get it naturally instead of getting it from a pill which is uh what most modern humans are getting their nitric oxide from or they're increasing their nitric oxide uptake um but they would be much better off in the long run just getting more sun putting the tongue in the roof of their mouth breathing through their nose while they're driving in their car you know doing some things to get their breathing mechanics more efficient they would have much higher uh results but we could do that would actually be a really good idea monique we will dr stillman and i will do an entire show on nitric oxide because i'm sure i give you the cliff notes version and dr stillman gives you the reader's digest uh version that for those of you that like to really dive into things uh, that's why it's a good balance because we kind of keep each other in check i i keep things as simple as possible and dr stillman goes into more detail And we know people need a little of both. So have yourself a great day. Get outside today. Um, Treat yourself well. You deserve it.